Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across London. This story was told by Daniel Simpson in July 2013, where the theme was quitting. Life's too short to waste away in a dead-end job. When that dawned on me this time ten years ago, I was working as a foreign correspondent for the New York Times, and my boss was enabling the invasion of Iraq. Now... That wasn't my idea of what journalism was about, and I wasn't really up for writing pro-war propaganda, so I resigned. And instead, I decided to try and change the world. Now, the form that my plan took was rather dictated by my circumstances. I was, uh, at that time, assigned to report on the Balkans, so I was living in Serbia, which was uh, supposed to be responsible for the wars that had torn apart Yugoslavia. When I'd moved there, I didn't really know what to expect, because it doesn't really get the best of press. But I found that it was actually quite good fun. And uh, to my surprise, once, once I decided that my job didn't hold that much interest for me anymore, I found myself really enjoying it. Uh, I went out and uh, made friends with the people who I'd been previously looking at through a microscope and uh, a magnifying glass to try and work out whether they were still vermin. And uh, they turned around and said to me, well, those questions you were asking us before were really quite daft, you know, because you were saying, uh, you know, have you accepted your guilty for what your leaders did for the last 10 years? Well, we didn't really agree with any of it. And uh, do you agree with what your bosses are doing right now? Because if not, then you're a bit of a hypocrite. And, you know, I suddenly thought, actually, what I need to do is do something to try and change people's perception of this part of the world. It's not as bad as I thought. There's some nice bars. We stay out all night. People then go to work. They don't do any work. It's a great place. What's not to like? And then one of these characters I met was, uh, he was quite anarchic and... Uh, He really got under my skin. He had a voice a bit like a Kalashnikov, it's true, but um, I forgave him that. We were in Serbia. And uh, he had some wild ideas, and he didn't seem afraid about trying to make them come true. And uh, the more I listened to him, the more I thought, this man was the man with the plan, and uh, I needed to persuade him to actually make these things happen. And the plan was quite simple, really. There was this island in the middle of Belgrade at the uh, the point where the River Danube meets the River Sava, and uh, it's known as Big War Island. And we thought, why not stage the next summer of love on Big War Island? And uh, that would be quite possible, you see, because this guy, uh, he reckoned he knew some some people in London who could help him book a few DJs and maybe some bands, and uh, we could have a big music festival. And it could be something a bit like Ibiza crossed with Glastonbury. We were going to pitch it to the 
British Music Press ads and we could have like a, a tourist industry coalesce around this love-in on Big War Island and not only would it interest the outside world and change Serbia's reputation, it would draw in young people from neighbouring republics who had grown up hating their neighbours, the Serbs, and uh, might now come specially to Belgrade to see all these bands that we were going to book. And uh, of course there was only one slight problem with this wonderful theory, we needed some cash to pay for these acts. So we sat down and started thinking. And I thought, well, you know, the New York Times, pretty good calling card. Why don't I take advantage of all those people who used to take advantage of me and summon me into their rooms to take dictation and put their opinions in a newspaper and call it facts? Uh, so I decided, OK, we'll start at the top. Let's go for NATO. We need a bridge to connect Big War Island to the shore. Uh, how about we ask NATO to lend us a pontoon bridge in the name of uh, you know, being nice to the people they bombed a few years ago? Um, funnily enough, they uh, looked at me like I was nuts. So I then thought, how about this guy who was a Nobel Prize winning Auschwitz survivor? Uh, he might know some rich people. And uh, sure enough, when I cornered him in his Upper East Side apartment uh, with two of my friends from Belgrade, uh, he, uh, he said he might introduce us to Bill Gates. Um, but uh, I think he was just trying to get rid of us because uh, he certainly never called me back after I left. So we returned to Serbia with wonderful ideas but no money and started scrounging around town to see what we might be able to dig up. And there were some very shady businessmen who seemed to have a lot of money, and they seemed to have got very rich out of ten years of warmongering. Uh, and uh, they, uh, therefore, were not potentially the nicest people to be asking for money. But um, I didn't really think there was much I could do to, 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 to change anything unless I was prepared to work with what we had. So I said, OK, if we can borrow some money off you and put on this festival, and then we can have a really nice gathering, and there can be this kind of revolutionary shift in young people's consciousness then everything will be wonderful and uh, we'll pay you back and uh, something will change in this part of the world. I should probably mention at this point that I was very stoned and uh, had been uh, smoking rather a lot of weed since I'd moved to Belgrade. Um, I didn't like my job very much and I was getting more and more disillusioned, so I started taking advantage of my job in other ways. Uh, I used to fly to wherever I had to travel uh, for work via Amsterdam or via Zurich where I had uh, some good friends who would sell me the best quality uh, Himalayan hashish which I used to stick in condoms and pack up my backside and take back to Belgrade and then smoke uh, in vast quantities all day long. And uh, the reason for this was I'd been previously to another festival uh, at the confluence of two rivers in India uh, called the Kumbamela, where there had been 10 million people gathered together on one day, coming together in this revolutionary sense of purpose to uh, wash themselves in the holy waters and uh, feel a connection to the ultimate source of everything. And I thought, well, if I could just channel some of that energy and touch it down on Big War Island, everything will be fine. Uh, and... Unfortunately, I'd confused that energy with just smoking a lot of hash because I was sitting there with these holy men in India who do that all day long as well. And uh, I thought, if I just get really stoned, I'll be like them. <laughs> anyway, sure enough, we uh, did borrow some money from these shady businessmen. We booked a load of bands. I started feeling really cool like I'd never been as a teenager and uh, started strutting around Belgrade as the promoter of the Echo Festival, which took place in July of 2003. 150,000 people turned up. Uh, they had a pretty good time, by and large, despite the presence of 500 well-armed former war criminals who we'd been forced to hire as our security, uh, and uh, the, uh, the police outriders who were patrolling the river on jet skis and trying to make sure that nobody swam across. Uh, we thought at least, OK, the security's been well taken care of, we'll be making some decent money on the gate. Um, everybody's had a nice time, no-one's died, this is uh, not something you can always take for granted in that part of the world. But uh, behind the scenes, uh, I started to realise by the final day that everything was not quite as rosy as I'd hoped. Um, 
I was watching people stuff money into black bin liners, uh, and I thought this was part of the plan. They were going to take it off the island as quickly as possible and count it and put it in our bank account. But uh, when it came to trying to pay our staff at the end of the event, I was told there was no money. And at this point, it dawned on me that uh, it probably would have helped to learn to speak Serbian a little bit better. But then, like most foreign journalists, I was in a country without speaking pretty much a word of the language. Uh, And... uh, at the same time, it would also perhaps have helped not to be getting quite so high because I had really no idea what had been going on at the festival. I just knew I had this charismatic business partner who got me into uh, a situation where me and uh, all these sketchy characters from the Belgrade underworld were together putting on this event. And at the end of it, there was no money. Uh, at which point I asked him for an explanation. And he said, well, of course, you see, these, uh, these guys who are our security, they're uh, actually in alliance with the government because the government is just a front for the mafia. And, of course, the government is now being whitewashed as a, a new democracy, and that means that Western taxpayers are funding this sham. And uh, actually what we've really done is uh, uh, tried try to get into some sort of complicated alliance with uh, the Serbian underworld, uh, Western intelligence agencies, mm-hmm. uh, the democratic government of Serbia, and uh, some guys who are running a rival festival uh, who are actually also friends with these people, and they've decided to shaft us and make sure that the other festival makes money but not ours. I said, uh, okay. <laughs> that sounds like a conspiracy theory. And he said, well, you can call it what you like, but facts are facts. And uh, so uh, I thought, mm, well, where's my money then? Uh, I was kind of hoping to get rich off this thing, and there wasn't any cash at all. But there was a large Tesco shopping bag that had been brought over by a, a rather dodgy guy who we'd... Uh, requested bring us some drugs to hand out to performers and in that bag there was still the best part of 100 grams of coke and 500 pills and half a kilo of hash so I took that back to my apartment and spent the next two weeks having a a one-man party Uh, at the end of which I was feeling rather paranoid uh, and it occurred to me that um, there might be some other people who might want paying for this festival and uh, that they might actually come around knocking on my door what with me being a foreigner and uh, assumed to be rich and uh, also not best liked in that part of the world given that my government had bombed their country only four years earlier. Uh, So I suddenly thought maybe it's a good idea to leave tomorrow. Uh, so I did, and uh, I, uh, I took refuge in a friend's farmhouse in France where I decided to sit down and try and write about this whole experience and uh, try and make some sense of what had happened. But as I did, and as I smoked, I realised that none of it made any sense whatsoever. Uh, all I knew for certain was that this thing had taken place and that I'd had some very good intentions and they'd gone horribly wrong. I'd had this dream and it had turned into a monster and it had eaten me. And uh, really, in the end, I suppose there wasn't anyone to blame except myself. And uh, that was when the really awful truth sank in. It's probably time to smoke a bit less hash. Thank you. (laughs) For more stories, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. With audio production by Matt Hill. At rethinkdaily.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.